this week's show. Still trying to be positive, but Dover chairman Jim Parmenter admits things are tough at Crabble. We're going to struggle to stay up, but we're going to keep trying, and you never know. I think the clubs can go out of business, things can happen. A promising result for Corinthian. We hear from manager Michael Golding. The way we conduct ourselves has had to change, and I think it has, and I think we're, we're a better side now for it. And Craig Valley assistant boss Tommy Osborne tells us all about his hopes for the rest of the season after that draw at Corinthian. And we've got full confidence in the boys. Um, at the moment, we're just going through a little bit of a dip, and we've got to drag ourselves out of it. Hello everyone and welcome to the final Kent Only podcast of 2021, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. It's been a fittingly obliterated fixture programme to end another strange old year, but we've both been to a game in the past 48 hours or so with mixed levels of enjoyment, so you'll hear three interviews over the course of the show. Uh, I'm John Phipps, who's only allowed to come and do this week's show once I'd baked a pie, uh, and on the line now is a man who, after the message he sent me on Monday, I am assuming has ended a long-standing relationship with the big fella upstairs. It's Matt Gerrard. Ap- apart from what we're going to be talking about in less than five minutes' time, how are you and how was your Christmas? Very good, mate. Yeah, it was it was quite quiet. The weather's been terrible, though, if you think. Oh, it's awful. Weird... Christmas Eve, we went out with a dog. And honestly, I could have taken my jacket off and worn a T-shirt. It was so nice. But since then, it's just been poor, poor. So, uh, but apparently it's supposed to get better. But, you know, we're not going anywhere for New Year's. So it doesn't make a real difference. But, yeah, it was a lovely Christmas. Nice, relaxing. So um, got everything that I wanted, really, which is not a lot. But it was nice. It was a nice... Kids were happy. Yeah, so it's a nice studio. As I don't say I'd have to work till next Tuesday. So sometimes it's quite a nice break anyway. So we're just relaxing here and um, we'll go out to the in-laws later for another bit of uh, food. And then, yeah, from there and then, yeah. So the bait, yeah, very good. What about yourself? Did you get everything you wanted? I did. You didn't get what you wanted because you wanted three points for Dover. But we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, I got everything I wanted and more besides. And the weather, like you say, uh, we were really lucky because it was quite miserable on Christmas Eve. But Christmas Day was was dry, which was the only thing we really wanted because there's a concert uh, down in on, on the seafront, which we wanted to go along to. And we were there and we were there for about an hour and then it got really, really cold. So we kind of abandoned it. But no, nice and chilled and Christmas. And it hasn't stopped raining since then. But um, no, no. and it's supposed to rain here every day until about the 12th of January, apparently. So that's going to be fun. Well, but I, I, I think I've, I've probably said this before. When, when we, of course, you've got a dog, you don't really, I said to Getting into the same, I said to Sam, realise we don't get much rain because, of course, you take the dog out, you think, oh, don't get much rain. And of course, I think since I said that, it's basically chucked it down every day since. But you, as a, as a, as some, again, this is not any sort of meteorological, if that's the correct word, science, but basically from about October to beginning of December, we didn't get any rain because when we no, take the dog out, there's no rain. So that's how it works. It's, it's very strange. It, it, this is the one thing. There's often a debate in this house about whether uh, we would like a dog. And there's one of us who would like a dog a lot more than the other. And the other, me, is always pointing out that this is the time of year where you don't want to be a dog owner. You, there must be times where you're thinking, I don't want to go out and walk this dog as much as I love her. And I know she's next to you now and, and I hope she's not offended by this. But are there times where you don't want to go out and walk her? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's more. Um, the only good thing about it is you can take her on the beach throughout the time now so we can get the um i've got a test for you in a minute question for you because we've got to find this out the um we can go on the beach all day long you know so you don't have to up in the summer it's from six so it's quite nice on there and we take a ball thing down and i throw it through that like that cricketers have yep the thing and i do it that question google i'm waffling how what is the longest throw with one of those things oh Must good be. question because we've we discussed this on that how it is so she loves chasing her ball she doesn't give it back but then she 
digs it, put, digs it away and then we go and do it again. And I enjoy throwing that. So things like that. But yeah, it can be probably when we come back tonight after our night out, we'll have to take her for a spin around the block and it could be a little bit hard work. But it depends sometimes if it's too cold, she won't be interested anyway. So, but it's, um, yeah, it is quite nice to go out for a walk. I've been for, the kids aren't too impressed. We dragged them out for an hour and a half. Sarah went out this morning. So from that, but she's worn out now. So she's happy to dog. Yeah. But yeah, I want to know what the longest throw is. I don't know what those things are called. Dog throwing things. Dog ball launcher, I think they're called. All right, yeah. And I'm just. I'm I trying can to throw find it out. quite far, but not nowhere near the world record. But there must be somebody who's thrown it an absolute mile. I, which dog ball launcher goes the furthest? Someone has said Oof. you can get some. You can get some that. Well, you can get like a machine that will launch it fifty foot. Really? Yeah. And the excitement I get is if we get the right bounce. She le- leaps up like Scalacci because she's got a good turn of pace and sort of catches it in her mouth. And that's that's basically the highlight of the dog trip. If you get it and she sort of she leaps up on four fours and catches it in her mouth, I'm like so proud at that point. So that's it. Yeah, but yeah, we were discussing it. How, there must be one that some blokes probably thrown it after the world. <laughs> they are really good. I still, they, they do use them with cricket, don't they? I wonder if they use the same ones. Probably not. Well, I mean, for England's cricketers, they probably did. Should you be using tennis balls and saying, here you go, can yeah. you can you run after it? But uh, yeah. again, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about that. No, no, she's a good addition to the family. So she, she's quite happy. She's got plenty of toys, but the standard, the old tennis ball is always the favourite she goes back to. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad she's had a nice time. And I'm glad you've had a nice time. You got any plans for New Year? Uh, getting a curry. Oh, nice. Kids, the kids, we'll probably go to bed about 10, but we said the kids can stay up, so they'll stay up. <laughs> I'm not really a New Year. Okay, you used to go to the neighbours, but we probably don't want to go because of various things going on, and we may meet them because of that. Of course, like everywhere else, if you live by the sea, there'll be people running in the sea on New Year's Day. So we'll go down there, wave at them running into the sea, and from there. But no, we'll get a curry, and I'll be impressed if we see him before twelve. What about yourself? Uh, I think we're actually going up to an event at Eastbourne Borough's ground, believe it or not. But um... I'm not a big fan of it either, and, and we've got to be up in the morning for work, so it's not going to be a, a riotous one for us. Can you, get you know. a picture? Can you take a tennis ball, run on the pitch at one minute past twelve, and smack the ball in the back of the net? Probably not, because I don't think I'm going to have access to the pitch. But if I can do that, I will do that. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, three Gs. You're not going to scuff it, are you? No, absolutely not. So I'm maybe not yeah. Stick, stick a football up the jumper or something. Okay. I'll do that. It's our 197th episode this week, which took me down the path of two more staggeringly unremarkable old houses, which those in America have deemed worthy of a spot on their National Register of Historic Places, which seems to me to be the equivalent of listed building status. Uh, there's also a song called 197 by Norwegian rock band Major Parkinson on their self-titled debut album. I listen to it. It's not bad as number songs go. It's no 57 or 142, but it's far better than 195 was. So that's uh, that's something uh, I wouldn't. Would I rush to listen to it again? Probably not, but there you go. Right, on with the show, and let's cut straight to the chase, uh, where Monday saw Matt's beloved Dover travel to face Woking, whose squad includes former white striker Innie Effiong. You really don't need to have more than even the smallest awareness of irony to work out exactly what unfolded at Kingfield between 3pm and 5pm. But before we discuss the game, before kick-off, Matt spoke to White's chairman Jim Palmer about the current state of play at the National League's bottom club. Well, I think that's pretty obvious to everyone. Um, results haven't been there, but you know, I, I keep looking at the games and I, I keep saying the same thing to the manager after most of the games. Not all of them, but most of them. You know, we've played really well, we've competed, we've just given away a sloppy goal, and we haven't been um, um, we haven't been 
right in the box. So we haven't we haven't been forceful enough in the, in the in the opposition box, and we've given away sloppy goals. So you know it's um, but we've also had a lot of bad luck. Um, and it seems to me when your luck's, your luck's not running, it carries on not running. And it, just about everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. For, from a lot of injuries to COVID to refereeing decisions to um, just unluck, you know, hitting the woodwork four times, was it, against Wrexham? That type of thing. It's, it's all running against us. But, you know, our luck will turn. You know, you look back on 2021 and your decision to pull Dover out of the league uh, in February time. Do you look on back on that decision and still think it's the right decision? Oh, absolutely the right decision. I mean, I think I've been told by many chairmen in the league that they wanted to do the same thing, but they didn't have the guts to do it. I mean, if you look back, um, for example, let's take Kings Lynn, who uh, were very um, vocal in saying they were going to do the same as us. They didn't do it. They borrowed half a million quid and they're most likely going to get relegated uh, whether we do or we don't. So, you know, we, we all get, um, we're going to struggle to stay up, but we're going to keep trying. And you never know. I think there are, clubs can go out of business, things can happen. Um, but when we get when we get to the end of the season, we won't owe a penny to anybody. All our bills will be paid, uh, and we'd be living within our means. And I don't think you can say that about many clubs in uh, in the national league at the moment. Are you planning for Conference South uh, for next season? Because you know four points out of twenty games, you work that through. Dover are getting relegated at this current moment stage. Yeah, but you, we you don't start planning for next season yet. Um, as I say, anything can happen. There's more than there's more than just what happens on the pitch that's going to affect this season. I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, but you know, if we get relegated, we'll um, we'll come out fighting in uh, in South and um, you know have a great season and. Uh, see what we can do there's been a little bit of um, conjecture about your uh, future at the club I mentioned in October we spoke that maybe um, you were looking for extra investment and you would walk away if the right investment come what's your plan you you still here for the long run well I need to be don't I because if I don't the club will collapse but um, yeah I mean my plan is to keep the club solvent keep it keep it running within its means I mean if you look at the money that's being spent in this league now compared with even three or four years ago it's it's a multi-millionaire league now and uh, you know I'm the only person supporting Dover the crowds are very low six seven hundred we just can't compete with the likes of you know the top eight ten twelve clubs that have got millions at their disposal and large crowds so we've got to find a different way of doing things and I think there's a few clubs in this league that are beginning to realize that okay they were able to borrow money last year what they're going to do next year and what about so you, you're you're here say you're here for the long run with the club? Was some of the fans are a bit concerned? You've been quite quiet. And what will the future hold for next season? Well, the future will hold whatever it holds. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to walk away from the club and let it collapse because that's what would happen if if there's investment comes along. It seems to me that the Americans are very keen on buying national league clubs at the moment. Have anybody come to you and say they're looking to invest? Yeah, I've had a couple of conversations, um, but you know it's got to be right for the football club, um, and it's got to be the right uh, the right type of investment and, and something that will take the club really forward. Um, and I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to take money for myself and see the club uh, be in a bad position. And uh, you know, if they when Dover win a game, which they will, I think they will win the game this season. What will your feelings be? Well, I'll be thinking, you know, like like we've always say, we don't get too ecstatic when we get win a game. We don't get too down when we lose a game. Um, you know, it's it's football at the end of the day, and you know, um, as I said, many things can happen. We've still got what is it, sixteen games left, something like that. Um, more than that, I think. There's a bit more than that, probably. You know, anything can happen in this league. There's a few clubs struggling financially. Um, you know, we can see points deductions. We could see many things happen. We could win ten games on the trot. I know it's unlikely, but we could. You're keeping the faith got to keep the faith football's like that isn't it you have to believe it's a bit like Newcastle in the Premier League you have to believe that you can, if you keep going you're going to start winning games and you're going to do something 
Uh, we'll talk first about Jim, then Matt. He seemed pretty realistic uh, about the current situation, but I, I, I think he's very frustrated. Yeah, I think um, he, he seems to have a bit of a gripe with Kings Lynn, didn't he? I think the Kings Lynn <laughs> man said he's going to do it, and then he clearly didn't. And uh, I think he's hoping that Kings League get relegated as well. So um, from that point of view, um, you know, he, the main thing is, he, he, well, come out of it, some of the things that he wouldn't leave the club in the lurch. Um, and he's quite relaxed about it. He's not going to leave the club in the lurch because they would fold. So um, planning for next season, he seemed quite boyish, bullish about next season, even though I said, are you planning for next season? There's no need to plan for next season. My theory being, and especially... Andy Hessenthaler after the game insinuating that he's staying, but at the end of the season, he's probably going to go. Um, there maybe should be some planning there. Maybe there is planning between Hessenthaler and Parliament to about next season. Maybe Hess is going to recommend a manager or something. So, yeah, I think the main thing is that people will listen to that he's not going to leave the club in the lurch. Um, he's had a few inquiries, but the most important thing is the future of the club rather than the money he gets for it. So um, he didn't say too much. Um, but at least he said something because he hasn't said too much anyway. So hopefully that will appease some fans who basically have got it in for Hessenthaler and think he should be fired. Um, I didn't ask the question of Hessenthaler, should he be fired? Because I'm led to believe he's not going to be fired So beforehand. So he's not going to um, get rid of him um, from that point of view. He's going to stick with him. Um, if he was going to get rid of him, he'd have got rid of him by now. Um, and where do I stand on that situation? It is what it is. So... In a normal season, if they didn't have 40 points, well, 20 points deducted or whatever it is, 12 points deducted, and it wasn't COVID, he probably should be fired. But I think his parliament is looking at it that way. What I think seemed strange on his interview there was he seemed to think that certain other clubs could go out of business and lose points. So Dover might not get relegated. Did you sort of read into that? I did. I did hear that. I must have been when I was when I was back to it. I, I did have a chuckle at that line of, well, you never know what's going to happen. Because <laughs> yeah, we had, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen it, but we have seen in the past lots of teams getting reprieved because of this. But I think, with all due right. respect, it's going to take a bloody miracle for that many clubs above them yeah, to yeah. have that many issues. That. And I thought the National League would look very silly if they expunged three other clubs, four other clubs, three other clubs, rather than Dover going down. Uh, if they can't do it, maybe of course at the um, AGM in July, where clubs have to say here's 150 grand, which is to see out the season that they haven't got any, then they expunge a load of clubs. But I think the National League want to get rid of Dover, so um, I think he's clutching a little bit of straws from there. Unless he does know that half the clubs in the league are absolutely about to go bankrupt, but um, I'm not aware that's the case. But um, Dover will be playing Conference South Football next season. Jim seems to say. Um, he will be in charge. Um, so you've got to take him a man on his word, I suppose, at that point, haven't you? Yeah. And I, I think one other thing that in that interview did stick out for me was, was he admitted, oh, the crowds have really fallen, but he didn't seem to be coming up with ideas of, of no. how to, to rectify that because surely that's that's a big thing that, that they've got to start getting the people back through the gates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Jim is a character, who, you know, he's his way, I think, uh, how it works. So, yeah. I don't know how he's going to attract people from there to get people back in. Probably winning football matches. And that is easier said than done, isn't it? So, um, And some people say they won't go until the manager goes. So maybe he's just going to write off this season, pocket full away some money and go big in Conference South next season. We'll have to wait and see what 2022 brings. And, and when I was driving back from Woking, I did have a chuckle to myself. Oh, this time in a year's time, we could be 15 points clear of Conference South. 
and chuckle about in this situation. I then slapped myself in the face thinking that's not going to happen and realised uh, it's going to be a, a tough, at least tough six months for 2022. Yes, yeah, so on to the match then, where despite all of your hopes and dreams, it, it was obvious the big man was going to score. And from what you told me, he played pretty well. Yeah, he came deep, got the ball. But again, Woking aren't that great. It, it, we're not we're not brilliant, clearly, because we're looking at the results. We're not great. Woking, again, there for the taking. They were dodgy at the back, um, but we haven't got much in the final third, which is always going to be a problem. But Effion, he came to the ball, deep, he comes to the, came deep to get the ball. And again, I, I, you know, I'm no rocket science. If you let him run at you and he's got the ball under control, he's going to cause absolute chaos. And that's what he did. His second goal was typical Effion, muscled off a ball and then run through. Nobody's getting anywhere near him because he's so strong. And he, to be fair, it was a lovely finish into the corner of the net. You know, he'd done that a few times. Some of the times, again, the end, because of a hat-trick, he fell over the ball and things like that. But he was the difference between the two sides, I would say, because we haven't got anybody as physical as that. You've got Pavey up attack, in attack who can win the ball in the air. But he, his leg seems to have gone. He's, that injury on his um, his bad injury at Barnet seems to have affected his, you know, his movement running, which may be one of the reasons Maidstone have let him go come to Dover. But, yeah, fair play to him. I wasn't his biggest fan. I always thought he should do better. He came back. It was his first goal since October. Typical, isn't it? But, yeah, we played, again, we played quite well. There's plenty of spirit. And that's what I'll always say. We don't give up. We might not have any quality. We're not very streetwise. Just fall over at the right moments. That's what Woking did. Get three kicks. But, yeah, fair play to Effiong. He played well. He should have had that trick. And it summed up in the last minute. He was clean through on goal. And he sort of fell over the ball, so which did make me chuckle because if he got that trick, I'd have thought, oh god, that really would be rubbing it in. So, so I've probably got to apologise to him. Fair play to him. Um, he is a good player, and as I explained to the man, the Woking man, who basically I asked how he was doing, and he explained, he basically said exactly what I've said through this pod that sometimes he's brilliant and sometimes he's absolutely hopeless. So um, yesterday he had a good day, and good luck to him. But Woking the old decent Dover team would have easily beaten Woking you know the Kinnear Peak team easily so but yeah what can I say I'm looking at that moment where he fell I'm looking at that moment where he fell over as some sort of homage to his greatest fan who he knew was watching for the first time this season Um, the thing is I again I went with you know Tom I went with Tom for the day and my nephew and we had a good day out and we had a good laugh people at Woking were friendly which is always nice they met Martin Tyler so they were absolutely happy so they had a chat with Martin Tyler. Um, I didn't speak to Martin Tyler because, you know, it's uh, he's a comment, he's a better commentator than me, and I didn't want to sort of say anything. But they were happy with that. Again, great day out, just ruined by the ninety minutes of the football. So there you go. You're having a lot of Saturdays like that at the moment, aren't you? Lovely. Yeah, day, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 we did have a good day. It was a good fun. It, we had a good laugh. Um, they were convinced we were going to win. They were absolutely convinced on the way up we we're going to win. Um, I still think we will win, but I, I, to be fair, I did think we'd win one of these two games, didn't I? You did. So, but I, I, we will win a game. I can't say we're not going to win a game. Certain people think we're not going to win. We will win a game, and it will probably go up there as one of the best moments if I'm there as being a David fan because the relief and excitement, and I can say down here to Tyler, what does that feel? Because I think, I think there will be, as the kids say, scenes when David win a game, from, particularly from the players. They've actually achieved something. 
Jim Palmer though said he 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 will just feel very same same as never he, he even used the old Kinnear line did he never too high never too low so you know if, if, if you cannot get high and jump around and think football is the greatest game in the world when you finally win a game after 26 games which it will be they beat Dagenham on Tuesday whatever it is Sunday um yeah you need to get out more because I will be buzzing if that happens will it happen I don't know but there you go. I would suggest I'm looking at your fixtures now, and if it hasn't that's happened by the second of April, that's got to be the day, hasn't it? Kings Lynn at home. You, you've got to think that that could be the one. That's still four months away, John. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, we've, we've got uh, not well. The next two, Dagenham and Notts County, going to be tough. Solihull, Eastleigh, Southend, Stockport, Torquay, Halifax, all the shot away on a Tuesday. That's got a, a little bit of potential. Grimsby. Barnet, Yeovil, Wealdstone yeah. away on a Tuesday, Wrexham, and then Kings Lynn. I mean, it basically the King. If you haven't won the Kings Lynn game, he should let everybody everybody in Dover have a ticket. So it's six thousand pound sellout just to try but not Kings Lynn. Well, wouldn't that be a dream? We win our first game of the season and maybe we relegate Kings Lynn because Jim would be very happy if that was the case. He certainly would. The defeat on. Uh... So you're basically saying our win will come on April. I'm, yes. No, I'm saying that that will be a game you would win, um, but it's just a matter of if you do anything before then or not. Uh, the defeat followed a 2-0 loss at home to Dagenham Redbridge on Boxing Day. And I have, uh, in it, the sort of tradition that you like to bring out, I've got some stats for you. Uh, Dover Athletic in 2021, 26 league games played, one victory, five draws, 20 uh defeats 23 goals scored 58 goals conceded and a grand total of minus four points you've got to be pleased with that yes somebody did say next season if we so there is a couple of fans i know who are basically hoping let's go down in history do not win a game and finish on minus points because next season when they would say if we won our first game of the season at home to concord you can say it's taken us one game to beat our whole points in the previous season i like that so, so what, what, yeah, some people are saying just don't win a game, just go down in history. It's, the, it's probably the worst thing the world has ever seen. Well, I don't know how I could do no, that. We're not. Podcasts. I do think there's a half a decent team in here. And maybe I'm just maybe I've just had too much eggnog. I don't know. But I don't know, but that's what it is. But I've got to stay positive, haven't I? Of course you have, because if you're not positive, who will be? Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Bromley collected just a single point from their two festive fixtures, drawing at home to South End on Sunday before a surprise 1-0 loss at Maidenhead, which dropped Andy Woodman's side down to fifth in the table. We speak a lot about how congested it is at the top of the leagues below, but boy, it's tight at the top there as well. Five points separate the top nine. If Bromley had won yesterday, they'd been top for New Year. All to play for up there, isn't it, Matt? Do you know what? I haven't even looked at the league table. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it for the first time in absolute ages because I, I, I can't bear to look at it. Just a Thanks. Wrexham doing well as well. Bromley. Who's going to win the league? Dagenham. Quite good, Dagenham, aren't they? We'll play yeah, them. they are. Grimsby on our, Quite tight. Grimsby, I think Grimsby lost about six on the spin and they're still out there. Yeah. Very, very tight division. Um, Woking. Woking, not very good. Um, I don't so, know, though, if it's, if it's that there's... Uh, all these teams are really good or just that there's no one exceptional team. And I think... Uh, looking at it, you know, teams are dropping points all over the place and, and things like that. You know, they're not exactly streaking away with anything. And, and that there are 
with one exception, maybe two, anyone can beat anyone in this division. And I think that that's, <laughs> that, that's kind of c- coming to fruition. And, and Bromley's defeat at Maidenhead kind of shows that, doesn't it? Because Maidenhead de- near the foot of the table um, and, th- and they've gone and beaten Bromley yesterday. Uh, and I guess that does show that it is a very, very competitive division. And that's what's making this race at the top so very, very tight. Yeah, but yeah. I'm surprised Maidenhead beat Bromley. I thought Bromley were big enough and physical and strong enough to handle Maidenhead there. So... But they haven't really lost too much, Gal. I didn't realise if they'd have won, they would have gone top of the league. So that shows how much notice I've looked at the top of the table. I've got a funny feeling for Wrexham somehow. It, it just makes the Netflix story look so good, doesn't it? I, I think Wrexham, but I, I I find it hard to look past Chesterfield because they've got the goal scorer, haven't they? And and that makes a massive difference. If he were to get injured, then I think it would make a... Then I think, yeah, Wrexham. But Chesterfield have got the goal scorer and, and that is the, the big thing that you need, isn't it? Because that's the hardest thing to find. Yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't rule out Bromley because even though they've had a, a couple of disappointing results over yeah. the weekend, there is something there about Bromley. Oh, absolutely. They're a very, very good side. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a bit of spirit about them, Bromley. So they'll bounce back. Um, it's why at South End, big game again for them coming up. But well, yeah, first time. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, do I really care? It goes. My one of my news resolutions is, is to be nice and not hate teams. So I hope we wish all the teams all the best in the world, but hopefully not Chesterfield. <laughs> Uh, both of our National League sides play on Sunday this weekend. Reverse fixtures from Boxing Day. Uh, Bromley travel to South End and Dover head to inform Dagenham, who are one of those sides, as Matt has just said, in that bagatelle near the top of the table. Uh, let's move into the National League South, where it's also very tight at the top after a mixture of COVID and disappointing results for our Kent sides, save for Maidstone United, who are up to second after a pair of derby wins. Firstly, battling their way to a 1-0 win at Tunbridge Angels before a 4-1 win over Welling on Tuesday. With that win, the Stones leapfrog both Ebsley and Dartford. After both were held to draws by sides from Essex, Dartford 2-2 at Braintree. And Ebbsfleet, very disappointingly, at home to bottom of the table, Billericay. Uh, the game between Dartford and Ebbsfleet on Boxing Day was called off due to COVID, as were Welling's game with Dulwich Hamley and Chumbridge's Tuesday trip to Eastbourne Borough. A brilliant, brilliant weekend for Maidstone, though, Matt. I mean, the, the, the two Kent derbies in front of them, and they've done the job. It, they may not be the, the two strongest sides they're going to face in, in that division, but they've, they've done the job, they've got the points, and they can look, look forward to a, a bright start to 2022. Yeah, the turnaround of Maidstone has been phenomenal, hasn't it? When I saw them, in the, they lost to something. It was a slough, wasn't it? One nil. You know, there was real doom and gloom around the club. Um, um, I think they wrestling didn't do the press. The fans were out to get him. And they, it just seemed a sort of malaise. Since then, they've been on absolute fire. They've beaten all the Kent sides, haven't they, in the league? Um, which makes a hell of a difference. We said at the start of the season, if you can beat the Kent sides around you, you're going you're to be up there. So... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just heck and I reckon he's got into the players a bit more, the work rate. Fantastic. Um, is that five wins on the spin in the league? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I couldn't see that coming when I did it, but players are finding form. Luke, who seems um, one of those players that's, you know, when he's been around the houses, that he's got that bit of flash of genius. He seems to galvanise the Maidstone fans. The Maidstone Twitter seems to like him. There's all a real feel-good back to around Maidstone and, and if if you'd have told me that when I probably left in the middle of November when they lost the Slough I said that wouldn't happen but shows how it can turn around just one result or one some little spark can start your season and I think they must be absolutely delighted Maidstone do they want to go up I suppose Oliver Ash does he knows how difficult it'll be if it goes up but the crowds have come back and there's a real feel-good factor around the club so um, good luck to them because as I say if anybody's I always think if a Kent club's going to get in the Football League 
if they can get the back in, it'll be Maystone because they've got the support to do it. And the support's come back and they're also a real feel good factor to jot on. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, when you're down, you can come back and fight again. And brilliant, brilliant news for Maystone. I'm pleased for Oliver Ash because he is a nice guy. Happy New Year, Oliver. Yeah, he really, really is happy New Year to, to Oliver and everyone, actually. Uh, but those two results as well for, for Dartford and Ipswich, that those two draws against Braintree and Billericay, you would have been expecting those both of those teams to win those games and win them well. And, and Ipswich, you know, I've said this before and I've said it a couple of times, that when Ipswich are very, very good, they are unstoppable. But the problem is that they've got is breaking teams down. And if they don't, if they get an early goal, you back them to go on and, and, and win big. But nil-nil at home to Billericay, that's not going to have sent many people ha- home happy, is it? No. Um, again, as I think I've said before, are they flat-track? Well, I thought they were flat-track. They'll beat the, the poor sides, but clearly you couldn't break down Billericay. Interesting with Chaz on the radio said beforehand, you know, what he wanted. He wanted a keeper and a defender um, to do it, but Maybe he thought they would always score goals, but they couldn't break down a Billericay team. And it adds a little bit of spice to the game on um, Sunday as well, as Dartford came from behind to draw two all as well. So very contested division in that with uh, Oxford City top of the table. So, yeah, it's it's a big game there. It's a great division again. Some very, very um, big teams up there. And at the moment, you couldn't tell who's going to be up there. See, St Albans have only played 14 league games. They win all them. They go well clear at the top, don't they? So tight old division. If hopefully we can get a run of games now without COVID, may start taking a little bit of shape. But could be a big weekend these ways. You know, you think about it. I know Epsley and Dartford have got a game in hand on Maystone. If they draw, maybe Maystone beat Tunbridge, which is, you know, from there, there'll be five points, four points clear of those things, which is a, a good start at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you just mentioned Oxford City as well there. Uh, just before we start recording the show, I saw an absolute worldie from Elliot Bennion uh, of Oxford City in their game uh, yesterday. Absolute screamer. So look that one out uh, if player, you Benyon. can see it. I've seen him around the houses. He's always a goal scorer. Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen that goal. He sort of chips it from about the halfway line, doesn't he? Yeah, very, very, very tasty. Lovely hit that. Uh, Sunday fixtures as well in that division. As we've already said, it's the return of the Boxing Day game. So Ebsfleet and Dartford will finally do battle. Maidstone at home to Tunbridge Angels. Welling travel to Dulwich. And Welling, uh, it's not really working out for, for them at the moment uh, under Peter Taylor. And I, and I just wonder, uh, Matt, do you think that we've seen the, the last of the managerial changes at Welling this season? I think Welling would stick with Peter Taylor. Um, I don't think they can go through. I don't, with only one going down... I don't think there's any pressure on Peter Taylor. It's just look at this and build from next season. One part of me thinks that maybe that if, if, if when Hedy Sattala, which he insinuated, could go, maybe Peter Taylor could return to Dover in the summer. Um, that's one of the things I was thinking of, that maybe uh, one of the things... I, I'd be shocked if Welling got rid of Peter. What are the fans thinking? But they, they do concede some goals, to be fair. I think they're, I, I, I've, I've heard from some sources that they're, they're not particularly... Uh, enamoured, but it's been a it's been a problem at Welling for a couple of years. Funny enough, it was in my my, my memories uh, the other day. It was two years ago that I went and saw uh, Welling play at Eastbourne two years ago yesterday, and they lost two 0 I think, and they were wretched. And the supporters at the final whistle were singing, "We want our Welling back," uh, and and things like that. And, and I guess uh, that malaise has kind of continued, and and the stop start nature of everything that's gone on hasn't really helped them, but. <sighs> 
there hasn't been the turnaround in results that they would have wanted. And, you know, we saw kind of how the process went where uh, in the meantime of them losing the game, they, of them um, parting company, Bradley Quinton, they lost 6-0 at home to Dartford. And, you know, I think there was some, I don't know, it just it never seemed like the right fit. And I, I, I just don't know uh, what's going to happen down the line with that one. But we'll have to uh, keep an eye on a tough game I, for them. I think Relling will be Peter Taylor. You know, he's had a lot of jobs in football. Has he been successful? Maybe at Gillingham he was for a bit. Um, I, I think they'll be surprised if they if they sacked him. But what are the expectations of Welling? What do they expect? Because at one stage they were on the cusp of the playoffs a little bit, weren't they? When they went a bit of a run, but they've had lost four on the spin now. But conceding goals is a problem. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to go down. So I would say stick with it, and Peter Taylor can build a team for for next season. Well, indeed, let's see how that all plays out. Let's move on to the Ismini Premier Division, where there has been a change in manager. Danny Kedwell has left Cray Wanderers after their 3-2 defeat to Margate on Monday. A real baptism of fire for Kedwell in his first job. Had to build a squad completely from scratch, but it's 15 points from 19 games. The ones are second from bottom in the table. And it's a tough one, Matt, because Cray did amazingly under Tony Russell. And part of me is thinking... Was Danny being judged against the, atri- the achievements of the previous regime? We had them near the top of the table. But on the flip side, it's only one win in 10 league games. So is that being judged on face value? Uh, you know, Gary Hillman's quite a... Well, the main thing is they're moving to the ground. Danny Kemble was a, was a good name for them to point. They had a good start to the season. They won the first two and they seemed a little bit... Of, I think they had decent run in the trophy. Uh, yeah, Mutual consent. What do you think from that short statement? Um, Kevin, well, I think you had to bring players in. It was difficult when you lose all your players, didn't it? When the previous manager's taken them. Am I surprised? Probably. Uh, they're at the wrong end of the table, not winning games. I suppose it's a results-driven business. But I think Kevwell, with his background in academy, can knows a player, can pick a player. It's just been a bit of a baptism of fire for it for a, a young manager. It'd be interesting to see if Kedwell returns as a player somewhere else. But... I was quite surprised when I found out. I thought um, Gary Hillman, you know, very loyal manager when he brought people in. So loyal to his manager. So I was surprised. What about yourself? Yeah, I I think I was a little bit surprised when I first saw it. uh, And I did see it being mooted around as as a surprise exit. But then when I looked into it more and and, and I was doing the script for this earlier on, I looked at it and I thought, well, they have only won one in their last 10 league games. Uh, Yeah, they had a great result in the FA Trophy where they beat Ebbsfleet. But by and large, were they doing right? And I, you know, I always like to look at the, at the replies to things on social media and a few people saying, you know, perhaps Danny Kedwell was guilty of underestimating the division and bringing in players who had experience and thinking that might be enough for them. And, you know, I, I think it was a, it was a tough, tough gig for Danny Kedwell. I think for a, a more experienced manager, that would have been a dream job coming in, being able to just hit the ground running, pick up whatever players you want, bring players in with no players to take over. But when it's your first job, I think that was a really, really hard task for him. I, I mean, his Danny Kedwell's tweet uh, said, my time at Cray has come to an end. Uh, gutted it's come this soon. Had to build a whole squad from scratch. I'm proud of that. I'd like to thank all my staff from the beginning to the end. I've learned a lot in a very difficult start to managing and thank Cray for the opportunity. And that says to me that, you know, it perhaps wasn't as mutual as it is being made out. Uh, and, and and I feel sorry for Danny Kedwell because, you know, we've had him on the show a couple of times. He was excited about the opportunity, but it just hasn't worked out. And I suppose if you're Cray Wanderers, knowing how hard they work to get out of that division, 
below and into this level, if they're seeing the chance that it might be taken away from them, they've got to act, haven't they? Well, I'm looking at the league table, yeah. So 19 games, only got 15 points, five points inside the drop zone. So if it's a results-driven business, um, you can see that uh, you know, he's lost his job. He brought some experienced players in. I think he said well, one of the things when he said that we had interviewing in the summer with him, he said he didn't know this level. He hadn't actually played at this level. So it could be that he has underestimated a little bit. Maybe he didn't think you bring their experienced players in, they could do it. But clearly it hasn't. So I don't know what's happening with the ground at Cray. Are they still close to that? Is it started being built or is it all stopped with COVID? I don't really know. So I think it's pretty much on the back burner at the moment, that yeah. one. And I think that's that's part of it. And I wonder where they'll go next. You know, who, who well, will yeah. be... It, who will be the new Cray Wanderers manager? It'll be interesting to see because you know I saw a few names being banded about, but you just don't know uh, who would be willing to to, to go to Cray where, where they are in the league. Because in many ways, Danny Kelbo leaving as he has done has, has kind of proven it's a hiding to nothing this season for for Cray Wanderers. Because does it mean that they're being expected to be where they were under Tony Russell in the last two seasons, or and then you come in in this state with a team that's probably not gelled as much as it could have done that's in bad form and you don't know how much money there is there to start changing the squad what pla- what players contract concerns it I don't in many ways I, I think Cray Wanderers is a wonderful football club but I'm not 100% sure that right now that's that appealing in a job for that many managers he, he, again he's asking for applications but we'll get somebody outside the county or will it be a county name it'd be interesting to see so who goes to that job? People always want jobs. There's plenty of managers out there who will do it. So we'll keep an eye out for that. But then, yeah, people will be interested. I'm sure they're well backed by the chairman as well. So it, it, it's a good job if you can get it right. But I was, yeah, I was quite shocked when I found out Kebrell gone. We wish Danny all the way, all the best. But I, I, I'm sure he's not going to hang up his boots. He's had a few games this season for Cray. Will he return up one of our clubs somewhere? Having a walk, he could be on his way there now as we speak. Someone uh, replied to his tweet and said, "There's always space for you at Chatham Town," uh, but well, I don't know if that would uh, if that would happen. But anyway, uh, Cray Wanderers also mourning the passing of their club president Keith Reeve, uh, who passed away over the weekend. Uh, minute silence before that game on Monday, and I suppose we should also mention Margate because up to eighth after that win and, and a bit of momentum, and that's all we want to see from Margate, isn't it? A bit of momentum and a bit of consistency. Eighth in the table now, they they could use that as a springboard to get up towards those playoff places, couldn't they? Yeah, it was a great result for him. Showed a bit of character coming back into it. Eighth place on the outskirts of the playoffs. I think Jay Sauna said that it will be do well if they get into the playoffs. But yeah, a decent result there. Big game for them at the weekend. If they can get a result then, it adds to the, the momentum at Margate. Because it, they're sort of two steps forward, one step back. But they've got to show a bit of consistency now with a big game coming up at the weekend. Yes, uh, folks are still second after they hit six past Mercer on Monday. Six different scorers uh, for Invicta as well. Uh, games on both Saturday and Monday in that division this weekend. A New Year's Day derby between Margate and Folkestone. Uh, Cray travel to East Thurrock. And then on Monday, it's Gates' turn to travel to Essex as they face Bowers and Pitsy. Cray Wanderers at home to Enfield and Folkestone take on bottom of the table. Leatherhead. Uh, that brings us on to the Ismini South East, where it was Monday Football 2, and I headed along to see some. Uh, Corinthians took on Cray Valley. Uh, the two sides battled for the scaffold title 
when the last season actually finished properly. Uh, they've got different ambitions this season, though. But they, do you know what? They served up a really, really entertaining game, which ended 1-1. Uh, Louis Clark cancelling up Rory Hill's opener for the visitors. Cray Valley had most of the territory and the possession, but Corinthian probably had the chances, including a late header which skimmed the top of the crossbar. I spoke to both parties after the game, so let's start with the hoops boss, Michael Golding. Yeah, I thought it was probably for the neutral, it was quite an entertaining game. Um, I think Cray had all of the ball and the territory really and then we had the breakaways and we could have nicked it with one or two um, but I don't think we deserve to win I think a draw probably because of the fact that we stayed in the game is probably a fair result Craig will obviously be disappointed that they haven't won and as you can probably hear the managers going a bit mad in the background um, but yeah listen we'll certainly respect the point at home against top of the table and they're, they're a very very good side It's one of those isn't it because I guess do you look at games and think that's where a point will get a result That's and, and this would have been one that you probably looked at and thought that's going to be one of the tougher ones we're going to face yeah for sure and I think it's a mindset thing I think we're in the habit over the last three years of winning games of football in the scaffold we probably won 85-90% of our games so we, we're in the habit of winning games so when we don't win games it's been quite tough this year for the team to adapt to and myself personally like we're going away disappointed with draws and defeats but I think when we looked at this block of five and ten fixtures and Cray with a ninth fixture or the full fixture in the block again if you'd offered me a point I probably would have taken it going into Phoenix and then again another tough one with Phoenix who have improved and then we've got Hayward Heath so it's a really tough run of fixtures but we, we say it all the time and a bit of a broken record but every game's tough at this level like there's no freebies and everyone can beat each other um, we've beaten Ramsgate here we've beaten Hastings here we've now drawn against top of the table so we know we can compete at the top end and for us it's that little bit of consistency and that little bit of quality at the right times that we maybe lack and we're learning I think we've improved I think you've seen today that we're a better side than maybe what we were at the start of the season and we've learned the ways of this level um, but yeah, certainly, I'd certainly take a point today. And obviously, you're a depleted side. And from what I saw on the team sheet and what I saw on the pitch, you became even more depleted quite late on. Yeah, Barthy, the captain, was sick during the warm-up, um, so he wasn't able to play. He got himself off of his sick bed, so he's been doing COVID tests every day and every couple of hours, and he's fine. But tried to run in the warm-up and just had no energy. Uh, and then we've got another five or six missing. But I think it's the same for everyone, so we certainly won't complain. Um, but we've got big players missing. But the kids that have stepped up today and have started or come off the bench, they've done really, really well, and it's proving that we are the same squad as what we were last year we've signed one player who wasn't in the squad today so we always said to the boys we didn't sign up uh, we didn't build a team to win the scaffold we built a team because we thought we could compete at this level and they're proving that they can do it about halfway through your, your first season at this level how, how have you found it? it, it sometimes we think oh yeah it's not that much of a step up but I, I think you found it is a bit of a step up it, it's definitely a step definitely a step up there's um there's a big difference between step four and step five and I think we're probably and I've said a couple of times that we're probably the perfect test for that that we are exactly the same squad and we are what well, we before today we were banging the table and I don't know where we haven't seen the table today um, it's quicker it's more physical the, the grounds are better the teams are better the officials are better um, but there's definitely a step up and I think there's a, a misconception at step five that you step up and you're finishing the top six the top eight and we certainly thought that we would compete and we, we want to compete but it's better than what we thought it was going to be it's better than what I think people give it credit for there is a difference and I think when team Glebe if they come up this year whoever it might be they will spend money and they will improve their side so they probably will compete in the top end but for us that we are what we are we're exactly the same squad and we're mid-table so I think that probably shows roughly what the standard is
I think I've seen as, as a team, you seem to have grown up and, and matured a bit in, in this few months that you've been at this level. Yeah, for sure. I said to you before that we very much had a we had a scaffold attitude um, when we came up and, and all the stuff that went with the step five stuff. But I think we've improved on that. We worked hard. We had a long chat as a team and, and worked out where we were doing good, some good stuff. But but we certainly came up with a, a, the wrong attitude and it was not arrogance or anything like that. But just maybe what we've got away with at step five. You swagger, don't get yeah, maybe a bit of an arrogance and a bit of a swagger, um, and that comes. From winning games football and we were very good and we're still arrogant now we still want to be in the playoffs we still want to be challenging those top sides and there's no reason we tell the boys there's no reason why we can't but the way we conduct ourselves has had to change and I think it has and I think we're, we're a better side now for it you said about being depleted today. How hard is it to, to be putting a team out when you've got all this COVID testing, you've got injuries, it's, it's a busy time of year. It must be tough for you. It is tough. And I think what we forget is these players have got jobs and they've got families. So we played at Ashford. I wasn't there myself. I had COVID. Family had COVID. Um, and then we didn't train this week because we didn't want the boys to ruin their Christmas. So it, it was tough. I would have loved to have come in and trained, but you just can't take that risk. The boys have got to go to work for their money. They want to see their families. They've got elderly parents, grandparents, whatever it might be. So it's a bit of a juggling act we want to be as prepared as we can be but you've got to have that humane touch and you've got to understand as well that this isn't their life and some of us live and breathe it and others of them they all care but there is other stuff in this world as well and it's tough but it's the same for everyone so we're certainly not a special case um, it is tough but, but we roll with that and we'll see what we can put out each week I guess another thing I mean obviously you know, you've, got, you've got a nice setup here but it's hard to get people through the gates because because of where you are yeah, you know, and, and I guess that must be a, a frustration for everyone because you know, there's good football going on here isn't there yeah I, I think you saw today like, we, we were maybe quite direct where we were in step 5 and it was effective for us and we try and play a little bit more that's probably one of the differences as well is formations are different in this league uh, as well as teams try and play a little bit more and, and Cray for as good as they are they sat off us and let us have the ball uh, and we were wasteful we weren't good enough with the ball today but it is frustrating we are in the middle of nowhere um, we had a half price ticket offer so I think we got about 130 140 through the door today so I think on a normal Cray Valley versus Corinthian two not very well supported teams we would have been lucky for 60-70 people so maybe a few more people have come and it might attract one or two more to come back but yeah I mean we had um, we played hashtag United away in the Velocity Cup and we had one of the boys brought his Sunday team and they were standing behind the goal and singing and shouting and drums and that kind of stuff and the boys loved it so playing in front of fans and an atmosphere is something that we're always going to struggle with but the, when we do get people through the door the boys love it and we try and put on a good show when we are here uh, just finally, obviously, this is our last show of 2021. I'm guessing your highlight of the year happened off the pitch. Uh, but on the pitch, what, what's been your best moment? Um, well, that's a tough question. Um, I think when we were in step five, we were on a great run of games, winning games. Um, we lost one game in 52 weeks, which was impressive. Um, Did and you play any this year, though? Uh, <laughs> no, probably not too much at the start. It was probably a historic, a historic claim to defeat. Um, yeah, I think this year, I think the wins that we referred to, the Ramsgate, the Hastings at home have been very, very good. Winning the first game at this level with Hive away was, was a big thing for us. Uh, we went on a really bad run after that. But, but yeah, I, I just think the whole thing in terms of the step up, um, that's been really, really good. Not very good on Twitter, Michael Golding, but you've got to give full credit to him and everyone at Corinthian, Matt. As always, he spoke very well there, but it was interesting for me to see the change in them. And as I said to Michael, that they've grown up as a team in their few months at this level. Yeah, it's quite honest what he said there. Maybe they thought um, it would be easier than they thought it would be, what he said in that uh, interview, or they used to winning four matches and they thought it would particularly happen. They've grown up. He's grown up as a manager. Um, yeah, I think it's a decent result for them. We didn't expect them to be at the top end of the table. 
still keeping the same sort of squad. Again, problem getting people through the gate. But that's okay. That's what, what it will be. Will be. But I think eleventh place after halfway through the season, he'd be quite happy with that at the moment. But yeah, quite an honest interview I thought there because um, he's picked up on his maybe the mistakes they've made and hopefully they'll grow on that. And I'm, I did like they had a team meeting where they discussed it all together. So the team spirit's always going to be there with the close knit club they've got. It was very interesting as well because I, I had a long chat with him off the record as well. Um, and one of the things he said to me was he said the big thing has been a, a sort of change of formation. He said because when you're at the top of the scaffold, you can kind of almost play whatever formation suits your players best. He said you come up to this level, no one really plays four three three, which they played a lot of. So they've kind of changed their formation and gone to three at the back. And and I've I've seen Corinthians a couple of times this season, and both times I've been really really impressed with Ryan Sawyer at the back. Uh, centre half, reads the game really well, not afraid to get stuck in, uh, really, really liked him, really good player. And I said to Michael, so I was really impressed with him. And he said, yeah, he said, one of those things, he barely played for us in the scaffold. But because we've come up and we've changed the formation, he's now one of the first names on our team sheet. And that just kind of shows that there has been a massive, a, a massive adjustment period for Corinthian. And, you know, everyone knows the reputation that, that Corinthian picked up during their time at the scaffold of, of being, uh, you know, difficult to play against and and not being afraid to surround referees and, and and complain about decisions that weren't going their way. And I saw very little of that on, on Monday. And I, and I think that, I think maturity is the real thing. And it was interesting that you said that, you know, we came up with a scaffold attitude and that wasn't good enough. And I think that's a, a really, really refreshing thing to hear. And, and, you know, he's a young manager. He's got a young team and they are learning as they go. Yeah, uh, yeah, a scaffold attitude. Was he sort of saying that it's more professional in the in this division than it is in the scaffold? Maybe it is because you probably haven't. You got a lot of sides who, as you say, different formations, a bit more experienced, a bit more maybe nous how to do it, and he's learnt from himself from that. So I think half the battle is is you're learning as a, as a manager. And again, maybe he'll get more satisfaction if they finish the top ten this season. Than actually winning the league before because um arguably on a, on paper it's a better achievement yeah i think so and, and i thought i thought they played really really well on monday they more than played their part in a game against a, a, a very very strong cray, cray valley side who on paper some of those players you'd look at them and think they should be playing at least one if not two levels higher and they you know they just kind of looked at uh, they looked like they could cope with it and yeah it was a bit of backs to the wall stuff at times uh, for Corinthian, but as as I said earlier on, they probably had the better of the chances, it, even though the, the one that they came, I think Cray Valley were a little bit disappointed with how the goal actually came about, but they had other opportunities as well, Corinthian, and, and I think 1-1 was a completely fair outcome on the day. Look at that, I suppose the issues they had, they were pretty prolific in front of goal in the scaffold. They've only scored 21 in 19 games. And one of the, you know, at the top end of this table, a lot of teams are scoring a lot of goals. Know, two goals a game at the top, particularly Cray as well. So that's the, the difficult thing as well, is you can be strong defensively, which they've only continued 24, which is decent, but it's finding that goal scorer that, who's got that little bit of now to do it from there. But I think a top 10 finish, top 12 finish will be absolutely fantastic for them. And the players are only going to get better if he can keep his players together, which he think, which he's done from the scaffold. They're only going to grow and mature into this tough division as well. So, yeah, I think they should be pleased with that from where they've come from. 
And of course, the big problem you say everyone wants a goal scorer, but when you're not paying any money for them, yeah. uh, it's even harder to, to to get hold of them. But they have got some really really good players there. Uh, I was also really really impressed with Frankie Morgan, who I've seen play a little bit further forward when I've seen him play before. But he played sort of left wing back, uh, but he was a, he was good going forward and very good at the back, very focused at the back. So uh, yeah, really really impressed and and, and well done to Corinthian. Uh, we'll move on, of course, to Cray Valley, though. They lost top sport to Hastings after that draw. But things are still going really well for them at the top of the table. Uh, so I caught up with their assistant manager, Tommy Osborne, after the game. In our last couple of games that we haven't picked points up from, uh, that's been a little bit of a pattern where we've had a lot of the ball. Um, when we lost against Lansing, we had a lot of the ball, but created more opportunities. Whereas today, we did create opportunities, but probably for the amount of the ball we had, not enough. Is it one of those things when you are on top of the league and you come to a place like this, teams make it hard for you to play and, and, they, and they get men behind the ball, which Corinthian did fantastically today? I think so. I think so because a lot of the teams we've played this season, um, that's how the game's panned out. But it's really, it's down to us to break that down. Um, and, and today, if we're really honest with ourselves, we probably haven't broke it down enough to, to, to go on and get, get three points. So I guess it is, it is fr- do you feel it's two points lost? Yes and no. I, I would say because we're top of the league and it's so tight up there, whenever you don't win a game, you can end up... I mean, I, I've, not, I've not even looked at the other scores yet, but, um, so you're always going to think, yeah, it's two points lost. But as I say, we have to be really honest with ourselves. Um, did we create enough chances to win the game? There's an argument that we didn't. You say it's tight at the top. It, it is one of those, and it? it looks like it's going to go all the way in this title race. And, and there's four of you, five of you maybe up there that are all thinking this could be our year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not so long ago, we was on a really fantastic run um, and found ourselves top. Um, now we're not on so much of a good run. And there's, you know, there's probably other teams that are putting points on the board. But I think it'll be like that from now till, till the end of the season. So, you know, we... You know, we, we've got no, absolutely um, no problem that we feel we will start picking up points again soon. We've got full confidence in the boys. Um, at the moment, we're just going through a little bit of a dip and we've got to drag ourselves out of it. You're a very experienced squad, so I guess, it, you know, you've got players who've been there, done it, know it all, don't they? Yeah, yeah, we have. That's right. We've got, we've got players um, that have won promotions at previous clubs. So I think that will stand you in good stead. Um, as I say, although at the moment we've got points here and there, um, we, we feel more than capable that at some point, hopefully very soon, um, we can start putting back-to-back wins together like we did not so long ago. Just said to Michael, how hard is it at the moment being a coach, manager, at, at, at this level with everything that's going on with the COVID and not knowing, you know, getting a team out every week is, is difficult, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, we had a full bench today, um, which is probably the, f- the first time for a while because we've had, there's been games this season where we've literally had the bare 11 and our under-18 squad members on the bench. But, as I say, that's not just us. There's probably lots of other teams in that situation. So, yeah, it's challenging, um, but it is what it is. You've got to deal with it. You can't use that as an excuse um, for uh, poor performances or dropping points. How important is it that this season finishes? Because you've not had a full season at this level yet. We haven't, no, that's right. Um, I think it's really important, you know, because I don't want people to start sort of like losing interest with a third season, not, not, not finishing. 
um, the, the first COVID season that didn't finish. We was on a real rich reign of form and, you know, we, we had half a chance, really. Um, so, yeah, there's probably four, five, six teams, like you said, at the top that have probably invested a, a lot of time and effort into trying to get promoted. So that'd be a real kick in the teeth for those clubs and not just those clubs, all the clubs, if another season didn't finish. You've got to bounce back now and, and get a result on New Year's Day. Absolutely, we have. Yeah, you know, VCD again. They're they, they, they're they're a decent team in this league. Um, and as I say, like we we have got full confidence in the boys. Um, we we feel that we can put four, five, six back-to-back wins together. Um, and and on the whole, our, our performances have. It's not like we've been really really poor. Um, we've probably just not been taking our chances we've been having good spells in games which has cost us so although at the moment we're dropping points we're not a million miles away from from getting hit you know hitting a run of games where we find our form again I just find I just said to Michael what's been another punctuated year but what's been your highlight of 2021 on the pitch oof that's difficult I mean I think the highlight for us is really, we, we honestly believe we've got a squad of players together that can achieve something. Um, again, there's probably four or five teams that think that, but we generally feel we've put a group of players together um, that can have a memorable season, and, and, and that's something that we, we want to achieve. As I said, Matt, some very impressive names on paper in that Cray Valley side. Another they've had a bit of a blip. Tommy certainly seems very confident that they can push on and, and, and go all the way in the coming months. Well, they've only lost twice in 19 games, so... Definitely. Again, they've got a winning habit. Kevin Watson, I think, is probably a manager that demands and expects players to to work hard and improve. Um, and I think they're, again, one of the sides we thought would be up there at the start of the season. If they can keep the squad together, avoid injuries, they'll be one of the sides who should be in the top two or three in this division. I think that. So uh, I wouldn't be too disappointed. I think it's probably a good result from a Corinthian because Corinthian are a decent Aside from that, they just got to keep going. A bit of consistency. They've gone a bit of a blip. Probably good to have a blip now rather than the latter end of the season. But yeah, I'm pretty confident they'll be okay. Good, well-run club, um, and I think yeah, they they they've been in this league a couple of seasons now. Have they without actually finishing it, but they probably know a little bit more. A little bit have grown into this league, and it's, it's, a, it's a very good division, a very tight division. Um, but I think they've got a different chance to do well in it. Yeah, and you say obviously it's a good result because Hastings have lost at Corinthian, uh, so it just kind of shows that you know that's it's a tough place to go, uh, Corinthian, especially on a cold and wet uh, December afternoon slash evening as it was there. You know, it's not it's not an easy place to go in football, and Corinthian are not an easy team to play football against, and and that was part of it, I suppose, that they they made themselves hard to beat first and foremost, and it paid off for them because. Um, Coming off the pitch, someone said to the goalkeeper, Aidan Prout, did you make a save? And he was like, well, yeah, I made one in the first half. But that just kind of shows how well Corinthian defended. But Cray Valley, as you say, they're a well-run club. They're, they're doing things uh, the, the right way by building a, a strong squad. And honestly, some of the players that they've got there, just they, they just look like a really, really strong outfit. And, and I was really impressed with with, with uh, Matty Warren in midfield. I thought he played very, very well. Uh, pull pulled the strings a little bit for them uh, there, and and you know they're, they're solid at the back. They've got a good keeper. They're very much a, a, a good side who are going to be there or thereabouts because ultimately, I think in most games they will find that bit of quality that they need to get the result. Yeah, I, I, I get. It's just finding that consistency as the season goes on. Now, isn't it? The games will, you know, you're going to be playing some big games because it's such a tight division. 
at least every other game, you're going to be playing one of the sides around you. Have they got the consistency and the quality to beat those sides around them? Opening the first half of the season, losing two out of 19, I would say they've got a very good chance because they score goals and they're quite miserly at the back as well. So, uh, yeah, they've got a good chance. Uh, again, if they don't, they, they, they're, they're nailed on. For me, they're nailed on for the playoffs at least. Absolutely. Top billing in the rest of that division's fixtures has to go to Herne Bay, who fell behind early on to their derby rivals, Whitswell, but hit back in stunning style, eventually running out 7-2 winners in front of more than 1,100 supporters. Uh, elsewhere, Faversham beat City on 3-1. Hythe came from behind three times to earn a 3-3 draw at Ramsgate. Seven Oaks beaten 4-2 at home by Three Bridges, and VCD and Phoenix drew one all. Uh, lots more derby fixtures to come on Saturday. Ashford at home to Faversham, Cray Valley at home to VCD, Hythe host Herne Bay. Phoenix take on Corinthian, Sittingbourne host Seven Oaks and it's Whitsable against Ramsgate. And then on Monday, Cray Valley head to Burgess Hill, Corinthian are at home to Hayward Teeth. It's Faversham against Whitstable, Herne Bay against Sittingbourne, Phoenix are at Lansing, Ramsgate are home to Ashford, Seven Oaks are home to Hyde and VCD take on the current league leaders, Hastings. So lots of mouth-watering games uh, over the course of the next few days. And uh, a look at Faversham, uh, their fixtures over this little period, Sittingbourne, Ashford and Whitstable. I mean, that is a tough lot of games all of those teams are local derbies for them so that, that they'll be really pleased that they started that run of fixtures with with a big win yeah yeah and again my mate scored didn't he that eddie i think he's been on trial at harrogate i read somewhere um uh, i think so uh, yeah it's a, it's, it's a decent result there some cracking games coming up they're, they're playing saturday and monday aren't they rather than sunday yes. so yeah some again 1100 you said it um Herm Bay. absolutely fantastic so it should be I think they've done well this year, the um, uh, the ESPN, putting, making sure, just going a little bit reverse away from the National League. A lot of people who didn't go to football can go and see a lot of games over that weekend. And the, the crowds are going to be really, really good for some good Kent Derby. So um, fingers crossed that COVID and the, can stay away because there's going to be some really interesting results, John. And this league table could be look completely different next time we're on next week. Yeah, I think it's interesting that if you, if you were so minded, you could quite easily have done... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday this week, and then next week you can do Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So, you know, there's a chance to see lots of games, uh, lots of different levels over the course of the, of the few days. And I think that's that's a really, really positive thing. And I think, as you say, the Isman League have done well there to make sure that there's games on different days to everybody else. And it was nice. You know, Monday was, as I say, I had a nice day up at Corinthian on, on Monday. It was a, a, a really good game of football, first and foremost. And I think that is a, a, a notable thing. You know, I've seen a few, a couple of games at that level now this season. And, and they are very, very entertaining games of football. So if you if you can get along to a game in the Eastman League South East uh, over the next bank holiday weekend, then by all means do, because you never know what's going to happen after that. Uh, last and by no means least, let's move on to the Southern Counties East League, where the top two have opened up a little bit of a gap after they both won on Monday. Uh, Chatham, big winners at Kennington. Jack Evans and Dan Bradshaw both scoring two as they ran out 7-1 victors at 66 goals scored in their 19 games now. Goal difference of plus 51. That's not far off a goal difference of plus three a game. Uh, something else that. Uh, Sheppey, four points behind, but they do have two games in hand. Uh, the unbeaten Knights beaten K-Sports 2-0. Third place, Irritown suffered a surprise defeat as they lost 3-2 at Tower Hamlets, who moved off the bottom of the table with that win. Uh, Tunbridge Wells also beaten 3-2 in an A26 derby thriller at Crowborough, while the other two games that survived both ended in 2-0 away wins for Irith and Belvedere at Fisher and for Beersted at Rustall. Uh, no football until Monday for our Skeffel sides, and let's be honest, 
There is one game which stands out from all the rest as the top two collide at Maidstone Road. It's all ticket for Chatham against Sheppey United. Tickets have to be bought in advance online. And even with some rain forecast and the current situation, there is sure to be a huge old crowd for that one. That should be a cracker, that one, Matt. How many How many of that expect? There must be 1,500, 2,000, I think. I, I would imagine. I, I think they'll be disappointed if it's not four figures, but we shall see. Uh, yeah. uh, outside of that, but you know, but they're, they're being sensible by by making by ticketing it, uh, buy tickets in advance to say that it's all online sales. And I mean, it, it's just got everything set up to be an absolute classic. But I have seen some people from Sheppey saying they take a point at the moment. Yeah, you look at the table. If if well, Sheppey haven't lost a game in seventeen, so clearly they're they're, they're a decent side. Um, yeah, you think on that? I know that I've got two games in hand. Chatham would be seven points clear of them, which I know it's not insurmountable if you win your games in hand. And looking at that, they would win their games in hand because they win match- matches. So, yeah, absolute cracker. They've played each other before, have they? This season was the first one. They, no, they played each other back in August, and Chat uh, and Sheppey came from two 0 down, I believe, to win that one by three goals to two. Yeah. Uh, so, you know that that was and that would be ba- ba- playing on people's minds. And and you know, I guess that game in August, everyone was kind of saying, "Oh, these are going to be the teams to beat." But now here we are. Uh, the, at the turn of the year and it's being proven that these are the teams to beat so even with the likelihood that, that the top two will both go up it's still a, a, a massive massive thing oh, to, to win this game absolutely fantastic for the scaffold there will be a little bit of bite on the terraces a little bit of bite on the pitch absolute game so I would love to hear if anybody who's going to this game please tweet us with your thoughts about it or an afterwards as well it should be an absolute cracker that one so uh, Am I going to call it? Well, I'm going to sit on the fence as well, Joe. It's got to be a draw, isn't it? Two all draw. I'm going to uh, I'm I'm going to stick my neck on the line. Actually, I'm going to say I've just got a feeling that Chatham's firepower might just be enough. I mean, when we saw them uh, in the in the final of the tournament back in June, it was a cracking game of football, wasn't it? And I'm and I'm expecting the same. I'm planning on going up there. Uh, on Monday will be in well, so uh, it should be an absolute cracker. And I think you know, as as one of the hosts of of the the leading podcast on non-league football in Kent I think that's probably fair I think it's, it's it'd be pretty remiss of me if I didn't go to that one on Monday yeah yeah should be like yeah I'll look forward to that John yeah I, um, should be an absolute crowd fantastic what for that level of football the interest the crowd bank holiday whoever does the schedule fixtures needs a round of, um, uh, a round of applause as well there on, the, on the, getting that one in because you didn't want that in the midweek in uh, March, did you? That is, this is proper game where a lot of people can go. It should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, let's just hope there's no uh, issues. Five letters beginning with C, uh, yeah. which would then push it to a Tuesday in March. Uh, elsewhere, it's Beerstead against Canterbury, Irritown at home to Wellington. One o'clock kick off that one. Everything Belvedere take on Tower Hamlets. It's Fisher against Crowborough. Hollands and Blair are home to Kennington. Holmesdale take on Rustall. K Sports meet Deal, Punjab United at home to Glebe, and it's Tunbridge Wells against Lordswood. It will be the first game in charge for the new Lordswood boss, Richard Dimmock, uh, the former Lordswood striker, back at the club where he played for five years. And uh, we kind of talked about Lordswood and their situation last week, Matt, but that's going to be a, a, a tough ask uh, for, for Richard to come in there and, and try and get them around. And the club have been pretty frank and said, you know, his, his first task is to get us out of this relegation zone. No pressure then. Uh, Dimmock <laughs> was a good striker, scored a lot of goals, didn't he? So taking a challenge on, a club he knows well, club he clearly loves yeah it is a challenge but you know, one win you could be outside that drop zone and give you a little bit of confidence as well so look forward to see what happens in that one 
Yes, yeah, just two games in the first division on Monday. A 1-1 draw between Forest Hill Park and Lewisham Borough. And a 3-2 win for Sutton Athletic over SC Elmstead. A win which took them top, top of the table. But there were just two points between the top four. Uh, the top two in that division also meet on Monday. So very well played, Matt Panting. Uh, Sutton travel to face Stansfeld. Uh, while Brydon Ropes are at home to SC Thamesmead. Croydon take on Tooting Beck. SC Elmstead take on Meridian VP. It's Fabersham strike force against Larkfield and New Hythe. Kent Football United meet Rochester, Lewisham Borough against Chessington Hook, Snodden against Lidtown and Staplehurst. Monarchs meet Greenway. So plenty of, of football to wet your whistle. And as I say, if you're in, in, if you're able to do so, there's a chance for you to go to a game on Saturday, Sunday and Monday. What a start to 2022. Big games as well. You could, yeah, you probably want to go and watch. Uh, you could, oh, well, if I, yeah, the dream would probably go to see Folkestone v Mar- Margate v Folkestone. Ebbsfleet against Dartford and then Sheppey against, well, Chatham against Sheppey. That, you know, three absolute cracking games that you'll see plenty of fight, plenty of hunger, plenty of good tackles going in. And that's what it's all about. And that's what, what's great about Kevin Football, isn't it? Those sort of games coming up. Absolutely. It's going to be absolutely thrilling. And I, I, I might, I'm definitely going to try and go to one. I might even see if I can sneak in another one. We shall see uh, what happens over the weekend. But you know how life is. Um, all right. So first of all, Matt, you did say to me you were going to try and guess what flavour pie I'd made. Uh, I mentioned yeah. it right at the start of the show. And you never you never gave me a follow-up question. So uh, what sort of pie do you think I've made? First of all, uh, I would say it's a short crust pastry. And again, the easy, the easy one to say, it, it's got leftover turkey in pretty much i haven't made the pastry myself but it is going to be short Uh-oh. crust pastry uh, yeah. and it is going to be it's turkey ham and leek uh, very nice so, you hold yes. that hot or cold uh well i made it now uh and then it's i think it's in the oven now and then we'll just reheat it later on just give it a bit of time to firm up make it extra nice and tasty later on i, I like I, I like making a pie so i've done that uh, how big is the pie would it for two or four? Oh, it would it would feed four definitely. Yeah, there'll be so there'll be some for us to, tomorrow as well. So we'll have leftovers of the leftovers, perhaps. All right, very good, very good. Do you like a turkey curry? I've never done a turkey curry. I did a turkey chili last year, which was very oh. nice. Um, like just shredded the turkey up and cooked it with the with a load of chilies. That was a that was a nice recipe. Um, but yeah, I'd, I probably wouldn't mind a turkey curry. I've I've just never really gone for it. I do love. A turkey sandwich, though, and I've yeah. had a lot of good turkey sandwiches this year. We, I say it every year, we won't have any turkey, but once you have a bit of turkey, I think we should have this more often. But I do like a good, a nice, with a nice bit of ham, nice bit of turkey sandwich as well, with a nice bit of bread. So that's what we enjoyed. That have you got much turkey left? I've probably got enough for a couple more sandwiches, and then uh, then that'll be that. So we've we've we because we uh, we cooked our turkey before Christmas, so we could have Chris, just so we could have turkey sandwiches on Christmas Day, and then we had s- some more turkey from my mum and dad. So we've um we we certainly we're a bit turkeyed out, but I, I, I like to say it's a, it's the most wonderful time of year when you can get the turkey sandwiches on the go, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, I'm up for a, a turkey sandwich. I have to say, so uh, enjoy your pie. Please put a picture on John as well. I might do, yeah. Um, right, a couple more things. Um, I have in my hand one of my Christmas presents, which makes a noise. I'm going to play it, and I want you to try and tell me who it is. Okay? Yeah. Once I thought I was wrong, but I was mistaken. Play that Any again. Ideas? Play it again. You might be hired, or you might be fired. That's Alan Sugar. Of course it is. It's, it's a pen uh, of Alan Sugar. Apparently all the money goes to charity, um, but you, you press the button at the back, 
his firing finger comes out and he and he says a comment like that so there you go there's big al wow. um yeah uh, we should talk about the ashes um yes. i don't know why but uh as as people will, will know uh, earlier on this year i had a big birthday and my grand plan for said big birthday many years ago was it's always been my ambition to go to australia and see one day's play of the ashes i've seen the ashes in the uk uh i've seen england play australian one day games and like that but to go to Australia and see a day's play is one of my dreams. It's on my bucket list without a shadow of a doubt. And the plan was we were going to um, try and get out there over the new year and be there for the start of the of the fourth test in Sydney. And I can confidently say after the 12 days plays that there have been so far in this series that I'm bloody glad we ain't going because it would have been a waste of time and money. Uh, no, not bad in Australia. You, you would have enjoyed it. Cricket-wise, it would have been pretty terrible but from there so you're going to aim for 20 whatever it'll be 26 is it next month? Pro- if, do you know what realistically if we're being probably in 10 years time it'll probably be another one in in 10 years time and then i'll have had, i'll have had another oh, big birthday so that seems like so a more yeah. realistic ambition to be honest yeah it, it as a, I, I, I quite like i do like this the cricket being on the middle of the night because i have the radio i've always liked the radio one so occasionally i have it on in the background and you wake up you fall asleep like Root and Stokes are in, and you wake up like half an hour later and it goes, well, Mark Wood's in. You're thinking, I wonder who's out. So it sort of does it from there. But yeah, pretty, pretty dull. And we were discussing this yesterday. Do you think that Zach Crawley's um, uh, English career is not going, being on this tour is not a good sign, is it really? I think it's difficult for him. I mean, uh, that was an absolute hiding to nothing that they gave him uh, in this last test match because he hasn't played hardly any crickets in September and then just gets chucked in against an attack who, no, I didn't see the absolute carnage when they reduced us to 31 for four, but by all accounts, everyone was saying that the bowling that night was incredible. And, you know, this is a properly good seam attack that they've got. And being an opening batsman is very hard. And when you've not played any cricket for three or four months, it must be, it must've been a nightmare for for Zach. And, And I feel really sorry for him. And, you know, I think, if anything, that not playing in the first two tests did him a favour, but then then being called up for the third is, is a bit of a, uh, a hospital pass, really. Uh, yeah, I don't know how, how England are going to do this. So it, I presume they've got to give him another test now, haven't they? They can't drop him after one. I, I expect like, him to keep his place for, for Sydney, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there'll be pressure on England to make a, a lot of changes come the summer. And I'll be concerned with some of these players who are playing now, apart from the the holy grail of about three of them, that they might not play again. And that could be a concern for Crawley. And he's got to go back to county cricket to get back into it. Because, you know, after the 260-odd he got against Pakistan, they say he was the future of English cricket. But it changes so quickly, doesn't it? I hope, I really hope he can get some runs. But it could be a while if he gets back in, if he fails again, which is no fault of his own. But I think there'll be mass pressure on from the media to change the whole thing around which could affect him in some way yeah it could do but you know he's only young he's got plenty of time to come back and, yeah. and then you know that i'm sure there'll be opportunities for him again in the future you know it's tough at the moment and i think you know with the whole bubble thing and everything like that i think it's it's been mentally very tough for all of these cricketers as well and i, and I feel you know england have not covered themselves in any glory here but i think individually you can look at a lot of them and say well do you know what I can kind of understand why, why it's difficult. And, and Zach Crawley uh, is definitely among those. So I, I do feel a bit sorry for him, but um, I'm glad I've not stayed up to watch much of it. I've, I've 
I've seen a few bits and pieces and you just think, yeah, do you know what? I mean, you say about having the radio on and, and whatever, I, I tend to, I have the wicket alerts on on my phone um, mm. and I don't sleep with my, my, my phone's never in the bedroom uh, when, when I sleep and it's always out. So it's kind of like a, when I stir in the mornings and I know the test match is on, I kind of think, oh, I'll get up now and see what the score is. And then I just normally just get up, look at my phone and then go back to bed uh, during this tour because uh, it has been pretty dismal and uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I feel really sorry uh, for, for all the people that are out there watching. And, and I do feel sorry for the England team as well. It's been really tough for them. I was going to try and pull together some best bits of 2021 from the podcast. Um, but then I remembered that uh, most of the podcasts were on my old laptop, which I don't have anymore. Uh, so that would take me quite a bit of time. But uh, it has been a, a, a great year for the podcast, really. Obviously, we, we came second in the Football Content Awards, which we were absolutely delighted about. We've had some brilliant interviews uh, along the way we've we've filled our contacts book up we've had some great results we were involved in the lockdown competition as well uh been to some great games of football and everything like that and and you know it's it's been a, a another year where we've done everything we can and we hope that every single one of you out there uh, has enjoyed it from, from a football point of view matt uh have you got any highlights of, of the year um david v barnett when david won their one game of the year it was good um <laughs> Um, no, Idiot falling over on Monday. That would, yeah. Um, have I got any? Well, it's been a difficult. Well, the most important thing that we've seen a lot of football, isn't it? You know, when the season ended, in a lot of our teams in about February time, we, we didn't know we were coming back, so we had the sort of six month hiatus, but it all comes back. So it's good to see football coming back, and it's good to see so really very successful for 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 a majority of our team. It's been a successful um, start of the season. We're in the hat for all the main divisions for one of our sides to win it, isn't it? Apart from the scaffold, of course, which is going to happen anyway. The four divisions below that, we could come in May, John, that Kent side has won every single division. So, um, from a that point of view, so far, it's been a very successful start of the season for our Kent sides. And it shows, once again, that Kent is a hot bed of football. Um, will all those four sides win the division? Could be tough, but we've got in a chance. So you never know, it could happen. And of course, we will see one of our sides relegated as well this season. But which one's that? Is that no? <laughs> no, it, but yeah, I mean, I, I do just want to say, um, as we reach the end of the year, that uh, we do appreciate every single person who listens to the show, uh, all the feedback we get, all of the managers and the players who uh, are never mindful of being hassled by us when we just drop them a text or give them a call, uh, and of course, all the people, at the uh, football clubs who tweet out our, our podcast and everything like that or, or share them on Facebook because without that we'd just be two people talking into microphones uh, to, to no, for no one else to listen to so uh, I do want to give a massive thank you to everybody who's played a part uh, in the Kent Only podcast this year and of course the biggest thank you goes to you Matt because as I always say this show would be absolutely dreadful without you so I'm, I'm glad you're here uh, I'm, I'm glad that even though your football team would die you've still maintained your passion uh, for Kent Only football so thank you no, no problem. Thanks for you for editing out all my swearing as well. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no f- problem. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kent O'Neill Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. If you just search for Kent Only Podcast, I am at John Phipps 81 on Twitter. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, on my Twitter, there will be a picture of a pie later on for you to uh, all admire. So hopefully you'll uh, enjoy that. Uh, and yes, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. Thank you to all of our guests as well. Uh, I hope you all have a happy and healthy start to 2022. Get out and enjoy some football. And we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only Podcast. 
for old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne. As I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock, that's my rendition of old lang syne for 2022.